Today we're going to dive into Exodus 33 and not only understand a little more what that song is talking about, but also look at Jesus in the Old Testament. Welcome to week number two. We are so happy that you're here. Uh, we're happy that you are in person. We're happy that you're watching online. And I don't know why, uh, but just sometimes every once in a while, God will bring things to mind while you're worshiping. And, and sometimes he brings people to mind. And for some reason, as, as we were worshiping today, I, I thought of Tom Starnes and Geneva Abner. I just haven't seen them for a while, and they were on my heart and mind, and I know they're watching, so good morning. Tom and Geneva, we love you, we miss you, hope you're doing okay, and keep praying for them, because uh, they're wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, but anyway, uh, today, uh, this is an obscure reference maybe to some people, maybe you haven't looked at Exodus 33 all that much, and probably this reference to Jesus in the Old Testament might be something that we've skipped over a few times, so go ahead and turn there if you'd like to, Exodus chapter 33. If you have your Bibles, uh, be turning there. If not, you can uh, follow along on the, the screen. We'll go there shortly. I recently saw a list of things that uh, I don't know the answer to, uh, right? And, and I know that might shock some of you, but, but uh, I did not know the answer uh, to some of these questions, and maybe y'all can help me out a little bit. The first is this, um, why can't women put on mascara with their mouths closed. I, I don't know. These are just things that I think about. You know, has any is anybody with me? Can any of you ladies do that? Can you put on mask? You can, but only while you're driving, right? Oh, okay. All right. Why don't we ever see the headline "Psychic Wins the Lottery"? Right? We never see that. Why is it what doctors do? Why do they call that? A practice. Isn't that, is that a little scary to anybody else? I mean, oh, I'm just practicing on you. You know, I'll get it right one of these days. Why is the man who invests all your money called a broker? Right? Why do they put flotation devices on airplanes and not parachutes? Right? Wouldn't that make more sense? I don't know. Are you tracking with me here where I'm going? This is, if flying is so safe, and they say it is, it's even safer than driving. If flying is so safe, why do they call it a terminal? <laughs> Think about that for just a moment. Just a few head scratchers for you to ponder here this morning. I believe flying is unbiblical. I'm just going to say it. Flying is unbiblical. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20 says, Lo, I am with you always. <clears throat> so... Okay, that's a cheesy dad joke, but work, work with me. Don't you wish that sometimes we could know all of the things that we would like to know? Don't you wish sometimes we knew some of the reasons why God did what he did when he does the things that he does? Why is it that God acts as he does? Why is it that God acts when he does? Why does it seem that sometimes God doesn't seem to be acting at all? Has anybody ever been there before? Why are some people who are diagnosed with cancer... And after much prayer, they're healed, while some people who are diagnosed with cancer, after much prayer, they're not healed. Why are some people born with perfect health while others are born with physical deformities or diseases? Why do some people attempt suicide and survive while others attempt to squeeze every moment out of every minute of life and they die young? 
You know? And I believe all of us would like to see all of God, right? We would love to be able to see all of God. But the Bible teaches us that man cannot be brought into the full view of God just yet. And our story today is in Exodus chapter 33, Jesus in the Old Testament. We know that earlier, our story picks up earlier um, in the book of Exodus, Moses was confronted by God from a burning bush. We all know that story. God told him to go to Egypt, free his people, and not to worry because the I am uh, is going to be with you, right? The all-powerful God would go with him. Fast forward a few months and we find out that Moses is now sitting in his tent and he's kind of moping around and he's complaining about God's people. He's a little bit frustrated with God, even though God had done exactly what he said he was going to do. He's a little bit frustrated with him. Uh, remember the story, a, a, a series of incredible plagues that God uh, brings on Egypt and frees the people from their slavery. It's the greatest uh, evacuation, the, the greatest escape that we've ever seen. He brings the Jews out of Egypt, and now they're poised to take the land, and God uh, is going to deliver on the promise that he gave his forefathers. But before that happened, God wanted Moses to come up on Mount Sinai, wanted him to receive the ground rules and how to live their lives whenever they got into the promised land. And so Moses goes up to the mountain. He's gone for 40 days, and during that time, time, the Israelites decided to forget the God who had delivered them, and they start worshiping a golden calf instead. And so Moses comes down from the mountainside, and he discovers uh, what's going on. And in a fit of rage, he throws down the, it's righteous rage. He's upset because of how people of God are treating God, and he throws down the, the, the stone tablets, the sacred stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, he, and he smashes them into a million pieces. And now he's sitting in a tent at the foot of Mount Sinai. That's where our story picks up. He's depressed. He's discouraged. He's all alone. He's moved just outside of the camp to be with God, but he didn't want to go so far away from the Israelites because he wanted to be able to keep an eye on them still and make sure they didn't do something stupid again. And many times he's kind of sitting there all alone, and he's in his tent and he senses the presence of God being close to him. And it was during one of those times that he just kind of gave it all to God. He just kind of lets it all out, right? He pours out his frustrations on the situation. Have you ever come to that point? You ever come to the point where you're just so frustrated that you just, man, you want to pour everything out on God. If you haven't come to that point, you need to, right? Because honesty in a relationship is good. Any relationship, especially when you're talking about your relationship with God, you need to pour out your heart to him and be honest with him. So let's look at this. Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. Here's what it says. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, God, if you're not going to do what you're promising, then, then don't send us because this is what he says in verse 16. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? 
What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. And then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock and when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand. Until I've passed by. And then I will remove my hand. And you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. Moses said, God, you've been telling me over and over and over again to lead these people. But you're going to have to give me some help here. You know, this, is, this, is, this is harder than, than it looks. You know, I can't do it by myself. You say you're pleased with me. You say that I'm doing everything right. So... Help me out here just a little bit. And so Moses is at the end of his rope, and his heart was telling him to believe, but his, his mind was full of all kinds of questions. His heart was saying, yeah, just trust God. But his mind was like saying, yeah, but what if all these other things, I got all these doubts. And so Moses needs some kind of sign that God's involved in the whole situation. Has anybody ever been there before? God, just give me something here. You know, we go through periods like that sometimes, don't we? Where you're doing all that you know to do for God, everything that you can possibly do, at least you think you do, but you still need a little help. You need a little something extra. You need a sign, some kind of indicator that God is still on the job. Trust me, he's still on the job. But we like that reassurance sometimes, don't we? Just to let us know we're still on track. God, I know you're there, but honestly, just need a little, little more proof right now. I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, we wouldn't be the first person in human history that's ever felt that way or prayed that prayer. I want you to understand something. Moses was a great man of faith, but not because he never had doubts. Right? He's considered a great man of faith because of what he did even in the midst of his doubts and questions. And most of the time, here's what happens. Here's what we do sometimes. Here's what I've been prone to do. Instead of taking my frustrations honestly to God, we either get mad at Him we really don't get mad at him. What we do, well, we might be frustrated or we might be mad at him, but what we do is we normally take it out on people, right? And we stomp off or we get mad and we take it out on someone else and we go off in a huff. Listen, God wants you to come to him. If you're frustrated with something, take it to him. He wants to talk to you about it. Let your frustrations and anger come to the surface. Lay it on the line. Just make sure that after you have vented to God that you stick around long enough to hear his answer. Moses just went straight to God. Verse 18, he's had it. And he blurts out in anguish. Now God, let, let me see your glory. Show me your glorious presence. Whether you realize it or not, 
think that is the cry of every single person here this morning, in person and online. Your desire is to have God show up. Isn't it? Don't we all want God to just show up in our desperate situation? We want Him to show up in our marriage issues. We want Him to show up in our problems at work, in our medical emergencies, in our financial crises. We want Him to show up in the midst of the pandemic. We want Him to show up in the midst of what's happening in Russia and the Ukraine. We want Him to reveal Himself in some clear, tangible, unmistakable way. Whether our prayer is for health or for help or for faith or for guidance or for comfort. We just, we want God to be known. We want to see him in the midst. We want to see him working. And you know what? God responds to that kind of prayer. And I want to show you how. So this morning, I want to give you three things that you can understand about God when you don't understand uh, everything that's going on in your life. And this is where Jesus is re related to. We'll see this here in just a little bit. Uh, it relates to the story in, in the Old Testament it, throughout all of these things that I'm talking about here this morning. The first thing that we can know about God through Jesus, through the rock, is, is the Lord assured Moses of this in verse 19. Uh, e even though we don't always understand him, right? Because there's some things that happen in this world we don't always understand God. Raise your hand if you understand everything about God. Okay? Good. If you, if you raised your hand, I, I really want to talk to you after this service. Even though I don't always understand, I can always trust His character. Look at verse 19. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out, uh, call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. That's verse 33. 19. So Moses is confused, he's depressed, he's discouraged, he's absolutely despondent, but he knew what he needed to deal with all of the problems that he was facing in his life. He, needed the, he knew that he needed more of God. And this morning, you may not know all that you need to know, or you may not know all that you would like to know about God, and you're never going to on this side of eternity, and even on the other side, I don't know if we're going to know everything about him, he never promises us that. But there are some questions in this life that will never be answered, maybe until we stand in, stand in His presence in heaven. I don't know. But you can know some things, and they'll help you until you get there. God will reveal Himself enough to get you through it. And so in response to Moses' confusion, in response to his pain, he promises to Moses that he's going to show his glory, to show him his nature. I think it's pretty interesting that Moses was seeking God's face and not his hand, right? And that was enough to clear everything up. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I love that old, old song because when we keep our eyes focused on God, when we keep our eyes focused on Christ, then that clears up a lot of the, the muddiness that goes on around us. And did you notice that God was not offended by Moses' boldness, right? He didn't punish him for the way he was acting. He rewarded him. That's because people who really want to see God, who really have a thirst to know God, they are always rewarded. The heart of Moses' prayer wasn't for position. It wasn't for wealth. It wasn't for a new miracle. His prayer was simply to know 
God to experience his unmistakable presence, to see his glory. Moses knew enough about God that, that, that to spend one minute in his presence was worth a lifetime of seeking that out. And so I want to ask you this question this morning for application purposes. Do you really want to know God? Do you really want to know Him? Or are you just kind of hanging around God because of the good things that you think you'll get out of it? Do you really want to be in His presence and know Him and be known by Him in a greater way? Or are you just kind of seeking the benefits because you know there's going to be some good things that you're going to get out of it, especially in the end? God wanted to assure Moses that even though he couldn't know all of the details of why he did what he did, he could know for sure that God was a good and merciful and compassionate God. And I want to tell you this morning, no matter what happens in your life, if you're convinced that God is a good God, you can learn to trust him no matter what's happening in your life. And you don't have to know all the whys because you know the who. And here's the problem. I think most of us, we think that God should operate under our rules I think I understand the situation better than he does. And so I think I'm going to take control of my life. I'm going to do things the way that I want to do things. I think I will make better decisions for my life. Or we'll say something like this. I want God to bless me according to me. According to my limited self-serving knowledge. God, help me do business well. God, help me get that pay raise. God, help me get that car that I've always been wanting. God, help me get that house. God, let me be healthy. We, we, all of these things that we think that we need to have are all self-serving instead of just trusting God that he's going to do the right thing. What's best? What's best for us? Listen, one of the reasons his name is God and ours isn't is because he's smarter than us. He's wiser. He's infinitely better than every single one of us in every conceivable area. Let's suppose you're getting ready to start a new company. You're getting ready to get a business off the ground, right? And if a guy like Elon Musk or a Mark Cuban or a Bill Gates or a Donald Trump says, hey, listen, this new business you're getting ready to start, I want to give you some free business advice. You going to take it? I mean, there's other advice I wouldn't take from, from them, but, but, but the, the, the business advice, you better take it if you want your business to be successful. We have a God who knows everything that there is to know about everything. Relationships, attitudes, psychology. He knows everything that there is to know about you, what makes you tick and what ticks you off. He knows how the human mind works, how life is supposed to work because he made us, he designed us, and beyond that, he knows the future and he knows how it's all going to work out. And get this, he's offering you and he's offering me free life advice. Should you take it? You'd be a fool not to. 
And so he asks you to take all your plans, all your dreams, all your future, all your decisions, and give them to him to manage. And there's going to be times in your life when you question and you wonder whether you're doing the right thing, but then because of his incredible character and how much he loves you, and according uh, to his amazing track record of success, you're just going to trust him to handle it all, even when you don't understand the details of the moment. I can't trust myself to make the best decisions for myself because I'm looking at one stitch on the back of an oriental rug when God's looking at the other side of it and sees the whole thing, right? I have a point of view. God has the whole view. Bottom line is I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not skilled enough to grasp everything that God has planned for me. And the only way that I can be okay with that is through trusting him and his leadership for my life. And this morning, even though you may not be able to understand his actions, God is asking you to trust his intentions. To trust his character. Now, the second thing that we can understand about God when we don't understand uh, our situation is I can trust in the dark what God told me in the light. God tells Moses, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock or the cleft of the rock, as some translations say, and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. You ever seen those big rocks, those big large boulders, and then like, like right behind it, there's just a space, a crevice, where you can get in behind there and kind of hide. If you've been hiking, and uh, we, we've, we've witnessed that some in, in the Smoky Mountains, you're hiking through the mountains, and there's a big rock, and you can kind of slip in behind. That's the image that God is talking about. And God tells Moses, he said, stand and wait. Now, I don't know how long Moses had to stand there doesn't tell us. It could have been days. And I don't know about you, but I am by nature, and I have to work on it, but by nature, I'm a very impatient person. One of the most difficult things for me to do sometimes is to wait. It seems like a waste of time to have to wait. Can I get an amen? This is why we get frustrated when McDonald's takes us eight minutes instead of the promised six or whatever it is. I don't know. Maybe it's three. But, but it seems like forever to just have to sit and wait. I have a hard time with checkout lines. I have a hard time with, with stoplights. Anybody with me? I remember as a kid, the absolute worst punishment that I could get in school that my teachers could give me was this. Ronnie, I want you to go stand in the corner and wait. Do you teachers do that anymore? Teachers in here, do you do that? Do you have them stand in the corner? Can we do that still? We can't even do that anymore, can we? All right. That's, that's a whole nother sermon. But anyway, go over and stand in the corner. How many of you ever had to stand in the corner as a kid? Okay, now I'm getting somewhere. All right, very good. Ronnie, just look at the wall. That's such a waste. And I know this may shock you, but I had a hard time not talking in class. It was difficult for me, and my teachers would always punish me by standing in a corner. It was horrible. No! Don't make me stand in the corner. I'll tell you what, Mrs. Henderson, uh, this is what I'll do. I will trade you one minute in the corner for five whacks. Just beat me. I don't care. Standing with my nose in the corner. I had one teacher, fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Brown. (laughs) 
I, I, I just got chills whenever I just mentioned it a little bit. I just got chills. She drew a circle on the chalkboard and said, stick your nose in this circle on the chalkboard. Anybody have to do that? Okay, two of us, three of us. Okay, this club's narrowing down just a little bit, right? Stick your nose in the circle of the chalkboard. I got so bored. And I thought, just for fun, I'm going to lick the circle off the chalkboard. <clears throat> hey, don't knock it till you try it. I mean, it really, it's not... I mean, if you're going to eat glue, you might as well top it off with some chalk, right? Uh, but, but anyway, so, so I'm there in my nose. I can't believe I'm telling you this. Uh, my nose is stuck to the chalkboard, and I'm li- I lick the chalk off the chalkboard. I no sooner got that last little taste of chalk, and Mrs. Brown said, Ronnie, you can sit down. And there's a big wet spot on the chalkboard, all right? And the kids in my class did just what you're doing. You're like laughing at me, and they made fun of me. Hey, how was that day? You lived the chalkboard, and all this I can't wait till my next reunion. It'll probably be brought up again in class. But anyway, lesson learned. I'm not going to do that anyway. But here's the deal. I tell you that ridiculously embarrassing story to ask you, has the Lord ever said, you just wait? Just stand and wait. You know, not as punishment, but just wait. Because I'm going to show you something if you're patient, if you just hang in there with me. And sometimes we feel like we're standing in a corner. Sometimes it seems like for an eternity. But he might be working out in his perfect timing exactly what we need. He might be putting some other pieces in place that we don't even know about. Moses was experiencing what some people call a cave experience. Anybody ever felt like they were having that cave experience? And God says, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you there with my hand. And it seems like while you're waiting, the lights might go out. You might feel isolated. You might feel alone. You might feel like God has abandoned you and you might cry out, God, it's dark in here. I'm scared. And then instead of it getting lighter, maybe it gets even darker. And you try with all your might to move that big boulder yourself, that obstacle in your path. You try to get it out of your way so that you can just get on with your life, but that rock won't budge. And then you get exhausted from all of the energy that you are exerting. And you come up with the quiet realization that the obstacle that is in your path that you can't seem to move is God's hand. Just trust me. Trust me. I got, I got a better plan for you. You don't need to go forward yet because I'm, I'm covering you with my hand to protect you. Sometimes I fret and I worry not realizing what God is trying to teach me. And we don't trust Him to provide for us. Sometimes I get angry at Him for not doing what I want him to do while he's trying to work out my weaknesses. Sometimes I want success, not realizing that for success to come to me at that point in time in my life might destroy me. We don't know, because we can't see the whole picture like God does. If Moses would have moved out from behind that rock prematurely, he would have been fried. The brilliance of God's presence a million times brighter than the sun would have destroyed him. See, God wasn't punishing him. God was protecting him. 
And I think he does the same thing for us. And to move out from behind God's hand and start taking things into our own hands, that can be disastrous. Life's full of examples of people who decided to try to get out of that cleft of the rock, get out from behind it, and get in front of it only to regret they made a really poor choice. Impatience ruined their lives. Maybe they got married too soon to the wrong person. Maybe they bought the wrong house at the wrong time. Maybe they jumped into some type of get-rich-quick scheme and it bankrupted them. Remember this. The safest place to be when you don't know what God wants you to do is right where you are. Just be patient. Just trust that God sees it all. He's going to see you through it. And sometimes we need to understand He's not wasting our time. He's watching out for us because He genuinely wants what's best for us. A lot of us know the name Fanny Crosby. She was a great hymn writer of the 19th century. She wrote a song about this experience. Right? Dave sang it just a little bit ago. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my soul, or my life, in the depths of His love and covers me there with His hand. When you're in that dark place, when you're in that cave, and you might not understand what or why certain things are happening to you, you can be assured that God is covering you with his hand. He's watching out for you. He's protecting you. The best advice I can give you when you're stuck in a situation that you don't know what to do, it's probably the last thing that you want to do. Stand and wait until God reveals himself to you. Because here's here's the third thing that God wants us to understand. We can see his back even though we can't see his face, right? Look at verse 23. God told Moses that when it was safe to come out, he'd remove his hand, but he would only see his back and not his face. And that's kind of interesting. According to verse 20, no man shall see God's face and live. Well, why not? Why can't we see his face? It could be that God is so perfect and we're so imperfect that the sheer weight of his holiness would crush us. Oh, if we only had a rock that could protect us from that. If we only had someone that could hide us in the cleft so that we're not crushed by the weight of God's holiness because God is a holy, perfect person and we are so far from holy and perfect That's who Jesus is. When God looks at us, He sees the rock of His Son. He sees His holiness. He sees His perfection. And God is, Jesus is sheltering us from from that. God sees us as holy then. He sees us just like His Son. Maybe His full beauty would short circuit our fragile nervous system because he's just so grand and so glorious. Maybe just the sheer joy of seeing him full on would would stop our hearts because it would just be so overwhelming. I'm not sure why God said we can't see his face, but I think think Dave Stone put it really well when he said we can't see his face, but maybe we can understand why we, we see his back because to see God's back 
means that, that I never really see God coming. If I don't see his face, I, I, I don't see God coming. In other words, I don't really know what God is going to do. But when I look back on things in retrospect, I, I can see God at work. I can see God orchestrating and doing things that I didn't know he was doing. I really don't know what he's going to do ahead of time, but I can figure out where he's been and I can see what he's been doing. And that all happens usually after the fact. Someone once said that life must be lived forward, but can only be understood backward. In other words, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Most of the time when God is working, I'm totally unaware of it. It's only after the fact. Can I look back on it? And see that he was orchestrating these events all along. And when people say God spoke to me or God told me most of the time, they're not hearing a literal voice. And I'm not going to question if you've heard that. that that's fine. I, I think that can happen. But I think most of the time we, we know God's voice when we look back and say, oh, that was the voice of God. When we look back and see these so-called coincidences all lining up together, I realize God was leading me. If I turn my back to you and I start talking and I say, well, that's just, that's just great. You don't know if I was like, had a smirk on my face. You don't know if I'm being sarcastic. You don't know what I'm saying because you can't see my face. I could say something as simple as that. And because you can't see my face, you don't know if I'm serious. You don't know if I'm mocking you based on my facial expression. Sometimes if I've got my back to you, you don't even know if I've heard you. And I know sometimes that's the way we feel about God. We say, well, God won't let me see his face. He just shows the back. God, did you hear my prayer? You've turned your back toward me. Don't you care? Are you there? It's confusing. It's frustrating. To always have to look at God's back. We think. It's kind of like this. If you're flying on an airplane and your pilot is getting ready to land the plane and, and you're going to land that plane and, and it's really, really foggy. Let's just say you're in San Francisco or somewhere like that. It's really, really foggy and, and the, nobody can see the runway. The pilot has to rely on the instrument panels and the air traffic controller to guide you and the rest of the plane to safety. If you just ignore the instrument panel and if the pilot just ignores the, the, the if the you don't have to pay attention to the instrument panel. If the pilot just ignores the instrument panel and the voice that's coming through the headset from the air traffic controller, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Sometimes in life I can't see God. But just because I can't see him, it doesn't mean he's not there. And if I turn off my prayers and I stop reading his instructions and I try to live life on my own, that's going to get me in a lot of trouble. So I keep praying, I keep seeking, I keep reading because the voice from the tower, God is saying, I know you can't see me, but don't worry because I can see you. I know where you are. I know what you need. Keep the channels open. Keep talking. Keep listening because I'm going to bring you to safety. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12 says. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I'm fully known. Someday, I'm going to see God as clearly as He sees me. All right? I'm going to see Him face to face. And the Bible says that if I'm His follower, I'll see Him and I'll be like Him someday. 
And these daily trials, these problems, they're lessons that he's using to transform us into his image. But until then, we need to keep seeking. We need to keep asking questions. We need to keep trusting. We need to keep striving. We need to understand what we can understand and just trust God with the rest. And if you're saying, okay, what about Jesus in the Old Testament? Jesus is that rock, all right? He's referred to that multiple times throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the only way that we can come into the presence of God is through Jesus. He hideth our souls in the cleft of the rock. That rock is Jesus. And you are protected not only from being overwhelmed by the holiness and perfection of God, you are also protected from Satan. And you have access to God. You need to put your trust in that rock today if you haven't already. We're going to offer a song of decision. And, and if you have a decision that you need to make, we encourage you to come during this song that's going to uh, be led by our worship team. Um, if, 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 if you need to place your trust in him, maybe for the first time, by confessing Jesus as the Christ, by repenting of your sins, by being baptized into him, we, we encourage you to do that. If you're watching this online, text the word READY to our church connection number. And, and uh, we'd love to get with you about what you need to do to enter into this relationship with the rock of our salvation. Let's all stand together and let's pray. And as the worship team leads us in this song, we encourage you to come. Let's bow.